0: Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna,
1: and me, Frederick. Today, we sit down with Jack and Aaron from Colony to discuss open organizations, DAOs and their governance.
0: So in today's episode we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, open organizations, how governance could be applied in these open organizations. So we're really lucky to be sitting here with two people from the Colony project, uh, Jack DuRose and Aaron Fisher. Hi guys. Hey. Hello. Do you want to just introduce yourselves really quickly?
2: My name is Aaron Fisher. I am a mathematician and I joined Colony to Work on the governance model, uh, the incentive system, the crypto economics and sort of the game theory of the sort of collective uh, governance problem uh, that Colony aims to uh, address.
3: That's right. I'm the the person who was banging my head
2: uh, against the wall trying to get people interested
3: in the concept of decentralized organizations before they had that name. Uh, way back in the day, and, and Aaron was um, one of the first people to to come and join me in this uh, in this endeavor.
0: maybe we can start off a little bit by describing um, what is colony
3: so we, we call colony a platform for open organizations. The general thesis that we have is that in the future, organizations in general will be more open. people will be less constrained to specific individual roles that they they typically and historically have had and their their work will be more categorized or, or more sort of effectively seen as a bunch of stuff that they can do and they have a greater degree of flexibility about the way in which they do that work and potentially the organizations that they do them for rather than it just being one specific company that they're kind of working for all the time. So, so Colony seeks to provide um, a, a protocol framework for these kind of open organizations, which we believe will sort of have a fairly broad range of of, um, applications and types. The most ambitious manifestation of which is the decentralized autonomous organization, uh, and that's predominantly what we describe in, in our white paper uh, which is the notion of, of an organization which is in, largely trustless and entirely decentralized. That's kind of the most challenging thing to to accomplish, and we broadly see any other kind of organization as, as a subset of the requirements for that kind of organization.
1: When did you get started building Colony? Because, yeah, like you said, DAOs, you know, there was the DAO, you know several years ago and did you start around that time or before or like when in ethereum's sort of timeline did you start thinking and working about with this
3: well (laughs) embarrassingly enough (laughs) i started thinking about this about 12 months before vitalik released his white paper and then i read the white paper christmas 2013 and uh, yeah, it kind of was a bit of a light bulb moment for me because a lot of the ideas I'd had kind of just uh, were, were all sort of neatly encapsulated and, and made possible by this uh, the system that Vitalik had described. So I was a jeweler at that point. I was making really fancy things for really fancy people. And um, I had got no idea about anything related to developing software so it was it was quite it was quite a road <laughs> to get to even knowing where to begin i mean for instance i had no idea even that php was not a reasonable language to be building <laughs> <laughs> this kind of software in which is you know hugely embarrassing now obviously um and uh but we we kind of got started in earnest i would say after multiple abortive attempts um in september 2014 which is where um Alex, uh, our co-author on the on the white paper, um, came to join me after his PhD at, at Cambridge, and um, yeah, we kind of got got going from there. and spoke at the first DevCon, and yeah, it's okay. been it's, it's been quite a ride.
0: What was Colony like at the very beginning? Has it changed dramatically?
3: It's it's changed completely, actually. Yeah, I mean the 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 core idea is the same but the execution couldn't be more different so in the first year or so um, we put together a first like prototype app um, and and it was like super super opinionated about the way that things should could be done and it was primarily trying to aggregate collective intelligence of of a whole bunch of people and yeah it would it would never have worked And so, yeah. After DevCon one, we'd kind of we'd done a whole bunch of user testing, and you know it was working okay with some people. It was quite fun for us to use internally, but it would never have scaled, and it would never have really been attractive. Um, so we we completely regrouped at the beginning of 2016. Uh, at that point, we also raised some initial seed money as well, um, and the team really started to to scale up. From there and we we kind of took a completely new tack uh, and and it's left us kind of where we are now which I think is in a much much better place
2: yeah and that would be around the time when I joined and I would just been thinking about governance from well I came from academia I was doing my PhD and um, I you know I've been to enough student Parliament meetings and similar to to see how incredibly inefficient and boring various governance you know procedures can be and i was thinking about you know how to use the you know ethereum blockchain for doing these kind of collective decision makings and governance um on sort of a large scale um, you know like the digital democracy kind of ideas i'd never considered or thought so much about the problems of coordinating work for you know business or projects in a for profit context. But there are many of the same ideas. how do you coordinate? How do you come to agreement? How do you execute plans? And um, yeah, so when I talked to Jack, uh, it's, it turned out we had a lot of similar ideas and similar goal values for how such a project should look.
1: So can you give a brief description of just like what colony looks like on from a like blockchain point of view? Um, I've sort of quite quickly read through the white paper and there's this common colony that you can then create like sub colonies in and they can have their own cryptocurrencies, but you can also be paid in this common colony CLNY token or ether. And uh, like, there's a lot of stuff at play here. So like, what's the general structure?
2: So one of the things I want to pick up on is that um, when when you're doing collective projects, coordinating of the blockchain we have sort of a technical issue that we don't have idea of who an individual is and we we don't if we don't have a database of identities to use then anything we build will have to be work with pseudonyms and be resistant to a civil attack Um, that means we cannot have voting or something like that per account because somebody can generate thousands of accounts so fundamentally whatever model we come up with for decision making has to have something which is Sybil resistant, and um, what we wanted to avoid is the easiest way of making coming to decisions in this context, which is a token weighted vote, which a lot of projects were using. And um, so, what we came up with as a as a value is that your say in a, your influence in a project should be some measure of how valuable you are to the project, and how much effort, how much work you have put in, uh, and not a measure of, let's, of your wealth in tokens. So yes, it's true what you said, that every colony has its own token, but that is a mechanism for for accounting precisely who does how much, who puts in how much work in a colony, and then we can map our decision-making procedure onto that weighted um, distribution. Mm. So there is a common colony, which you mentioned, which is just a colony. Uh, of many. So when you start a colony, it is autonomous. It doesn't rely on any other colony per se. So it's your own encapsulated project with its own token, its own accounting. So they're not sub-colonies of the common colony. The common colony is one of the colonies in the network, but it has a special role. It is responsible for coordinating development of the colony software. So we don't want to be in control of that forever. So the common colony is this colony that develops the network and it also processes um, everyone's reputation score so we have a system of keeping track of who does work in what context and how how good the colony deems it to be and that calculation is also done by this common colony
3: there's no there's no sort of hierarchical um, uh, arrangement between them it's just that there is a common colony which you can think of kind of a a meta colony it is its its purpose is to manage uh, develop maintain the network. And so the things that it does in doing so are, are as, as Aaron mentioned, like development or really any other tasks that the, uh, the common colony deems uh, necessary. Uh, but also this reputation mining process, because we have this concept of reputation and reputation decays over time. Um, mm. and, um, uh, and that's too sort of computationally intensive or expensive rather to, to do on-chain. Uh, at the speed with which um, th- this happens. Uh, therefore, we have an off-chain uh, client which, which people participate in a verification game to compute the reputation updates and, and submit them and have them verified.
0: These colonies, do they tend to be made up of, like, when you talked about organizations, were these organizations small companies? Are they projects? Are they, like, what are, what would you describe a normal colony organization
3: as? So a colony is, yeah, it's a type of organization, type of decentralized organization, and it could be for anything. It could be a a bunch of people working on an open source project. It could be uh, an existing, um, you know, your, your favorite Ethereum based project which is coordinating and incentivizing its community to contribute to its development or upkeep in some sense. It could be, you know, in a future where we have um, non-fungible tokens in in game worlds. Uh, It could be the way a a thieves' guild coordinates themselves in an MMORPG. It could be the basis for a ride-sharing app, distributing work, dividing labor, managing that. It could be insurance claims uh, evaluations. it entirely depends on what the, the function of that particular thing is. The, the role a colony is there to do is to coordinate work, to divide labour, to m- make decisions, to distribute and, and allocate um, finances, and to resolve any disputes that occur.
0: Could you walk through, like, what would, what would it mean to have, like, a guild using colony? What would actually happen?
3: Well, you could conceptually have a guild of thieves in, you know, an MMORPG, who have got some shared ownership of some non-fungible assets. Maybe that's their guild hall, proportional to their uh, reputation holdings in their thievery skills within their their game. Have some stake in in the uh, the upkeep of their of their guild hall, and they would be able to propose things that should be changed like I think we need to have our thievery planning boardroom to be redecorated in a wonderful puce um, and they would be able to make such proposals and in doing so direct funding that they collectively control to acquiring this digital piece. after they have done the painting of the walls uh, with this digital paint they receive reputation for the puce painting skill.
0: So this reputation, would it be distributed among the members? Would it be like, is this what Colony can actually help with? Is it like it's gonna decide based on maybe the contribution initially?
3: Let's say we are four thieves in, in our thieves guild. I have the idea that our boardroom needs, a uh, thievery planning room, sorry, needs to be painted puce. I believe that this is going to cost 100 tokens to have that happen you and I put your hand up and say I'm a brilliant painter okay. I I agree that you are because I can see that you've painted things in the past uh, and so I, I give you the, the task and Aaron has a great deal of experience in, in various different kinds of decorating whereas I only really have the notion of project managing or, 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 or identifying things that need to be done I'm not so good at following through on them so giving you the task of actually doing work given Aaron the task of evaluating whether the work was done well so then you go and do it Aaron evaluates you having done so and then if you've done a good job you'll get paid 100 tokens and also you'll get you'll you'll receive 100 reputation points ah
2: yeah so there's really two parts to this process one is you know the coming up with the work and suggesting it and and you know i'm doing the evaluation of your painting and so that's the work side and the funding side is kind of um we didn't discuss just now in such detail but There's a whole process of how collectively all the thieves allocate funding to various uh, raids and projects they might have. Um, So by by the time you accept the painting work, enough of our loot has been put aside to pay you should the evaluator agree that you've done your job.
1: So this is interesting to me because it sounds like this model works really well for situations where you have a common good. So if we're all running a farm together... We can all profit from that farm uh, in some way because we can all get food from it or whatever. But if it's a for-profit entity, um, how does the crypto economics work there? Because let's say I start a colony that is just for milking my cow. I get you to milk my cow and I pay you some tokens for it. But the only thing you can use those tokens for is paying other people to milk my cow. So like, you have no way to actually profit from it.
3: The intention of the tokens is not necessarily as a means of payment. It could be, but that's, that's not really the intention. So when you control both tokens in a colony and reputation in that colony, it entitles you to claim a share of the revenue of that colony, we call it rewards, proportional to your combined reputation and token holdings. So if your colony is revenue generative, it, it, as that revenue comes in, it will be being siphoned into two pots. One is the sort of working capital of the colony; the other is the uh, is a rewards pot. So periodically, the members of the colony may choose to divide that amongst themselves, and uh, and so that's why you, you, the the case where you require both reputation and and tokens for that
1: purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. So in my in my case, then. I could start this colony but basically no one would be willing to contribute because they see that there is no chance for them to get actually any revenue back
2: so if you offered to pay me in ether to milk your cow i would do it if you only offer me some tokens in the colony that you are the only current member of i probably would not right um so we like to think of people who get paid in ether or dollar tokens or some kind of external currency as contractors accept work, you do the work, you get paid, you leave, and then that's it. Whereas if you start working for the tokens of a colony, you are working to gain a stake in that colony. You're working to gain ownership and also control over the decision-making. So the more work you put in, the more tokens of that colony you earn, the greater your influence and also you know choosing the direction that this colony will go. So the colony is collectively controlled by its reputation holders. And anytime more people come in and do work, they join this class of reputation holders. So it's an individual choice whether you're willing to work for a colony's tokens. And especially when a colony just starts up, it might be, um, you know, we're trying to, we have an idea, we start a colony, and we'll put out work and say reward in our tokens. And those tokens might not have monetary value right now, they might have in the future, I could speculate on that. But so anyone who is willing to work for these tokens, based on future expectation of token value or revenue, or uh, no another future reward, they become a part of this project, and it's no longer just yours.
0: Really curious in the designing of this. How did you like? Because it starts to sound like non-digital organizational stuff, like small groupings, maybe like kibbutzes, or like these sort of social, these communal organizations that have existed pre-internet. When constructing a lot of this stuff, are you doing research into those spaces? Are you kind of using those models as reference points? Or is this purely the structure that anyone can organize in any way they want?
3: This is a structure that people can organize in in any way they want, but it's... I don't think we usually think of it in terms of it being like a a community kibbutz or or community coin kind of thing. It certainly could be, but I don't think we've ever thought of it in those terms before. We think of it most commonly in terms of uh, a project that people are collaboratively incentivized to contribute to. So a new kind of company that people will build online without needing to know or trust one another. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are.
2: Yeah. Which brings us back to the whole idea of open organizations. So anyone can join in on one of these daoified colonies and um, the, you know, the, there is no set membership and there's no, you don't have to, there's no hurdle to being insider or being an outsider. It's just, you start working in the project. You're excited by the idea. You start contributing. You are now part of this organization. And so this, open collaborative framework is what we're really going for there's a lot of things a lot of issues in the world that that many people are enthusiastic about and would love to help but they don't know help whom and help how but if you have a colony a collective project that's doing something in this space you can just come in and start contributing and then even steering
1: i I could see open source projects wanting to Basically, start a colony because it is very much like open source organizations where um, you just have a project on GitHub and anyone can contribute, but it's really hard to do that and get paid. But so, like in a colony model, you might actually start, you know, I'm going to pick this feature and implement it. And you might get paid some ether. And that's how you start as sort of a contractor, get involved a little bit. And then you start thinking, actually, I want to be able to direct, like, I don't, I don't think these features are very important. I want to be able to direct this project in general. And they start working, proving their value by providing work. And then eventually they'll be able to have like a significant voting right in the direction of the project as a whole.
3: Right, exactly.
2: And moreover, even if the original contributors all just stop working on the project, the colony will live on. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, there's no you don't you don't need the original maintainer of a GitHub repo to stay online or someone. So people can sort of increase their amount of work and influence, and it also de- if they stop working, their influence will decrease over time. That was the reputation decay that Jack mentioned briefly earlier. So when we mean it really, the colony belongs to those who work on it, in, in that sense and very strongly because only. Rather, it belongs to those who are currently and recently working on it, and they can take a project forward that other people have abandoned.
1: Can we dig into this reputation model a little bit? Because I'm really curious about like, how that works. What's the decay model like, and, and what's, what's reputation mining?
3: Yeah, just, just to kind of reframe things. So the, the core purpose of Colony is to provide a governance framework for decentralized organizations. And in, in in desiring to create a governance framework for organizations which are decentralized, you need to initially establish what that means, <laughs> both what governance means and also what decentralized means and how you're going to get to decentralization. As we uh, alluded uh, earlier, um, the most common approach to decentralizing governance is that it's some notion of voting and it's some notion of a token waiting, because there is this issue of, of Sybil attacks. You can't make it based on an identity because it's too easily um, gameable. So we don't believe that um, wealth is any reasonable proxy for decision-making capacity, or, or indeed, in my experience, um, rationality in any sense. So so we wanted something else. We wanted something else which was equally non sybilable and we alighted on, uh, and also, I should say, that would closely match the basis by which organizations currently weight decision-making authority in their governance and and, and governance being primarily related to funding stuff getting done because that's really what an organization exists to do. It has has some metric that matters to it, most usually shareholder returns in the case of a traditional company. And it is performing a load, of, uh, a load of tactics which will enable it to maximize that. And, and it has to fund things pursuant to that. And people have authority to direct its funds uh, to various different endeavors which will perform that end, end objective. And usually people accrue that authority over the course of a, of a career of demonstrating that they're really good at what they do in, in some capacity. That's not so easy to do in a decentralized and trustless way. So, we, we, came, up with the, we came up with the concept of, of, of work being the basis uh, upon which you, you kind of earn this uh, non um influence, as it supposes in the real world, but the work that actually passes through an individual colony. So, when you do a piece of work, let's say you're um, fulfilling a, a, something very simple and granular, like a, a pull request, for some particular project, you will receive the the money, the, the, or the tokens, um, and you will receive an equivalent amount of reputation in the skill. Let's say it's React, and whatever that project is. So those two skills, and then when other decisions, when other tasks need to be created that contain that skill and that uh, and that context, you are able to to direct the funding of that of the colony proportional to the reputation that you have accrued
2: yeah so i just would add to that we so we have reputation being local to the context so it could be like a you know marketing team a development team or whatever you divide your colony into and um the other aspect is you the how much how many reputation points you get it was also a hard one for us to determine how best to assign a numerical value and um the proxy that works best in this case is how many tokens this task gives you so when you do a task or a piece of work that has a one token reward you should not get the same amount of reputation as one that got a hundred because we're assuming that that hundred was a lot bigger piece of work a lot more important so that's sort of the proxy that um if you do a lot of tasks or a few big tasks you will get a lot of reputation points Within the context of where those tasks were present. Um, and the reason for keeping all this local is that this, a lot of decision making in an organization is local, a lot of alloca- funding allocation. I mean, there might be a, you know, a board level. If we think of a large company, there's a board level uh, allocation of, you know, big budgets to big departments, but we're not trying to recreate a boardroom. We're trying to recreate the entire organization with all the small local day to day uh, decision making going on. And within that context, you know, it would be your developers that prioritize the development work and your design department where the designers, you know, prioritize the design work. Uh, And each one of these contexts will have the relevant reputation waiting for this decision-making to happen.
0: Would that still be one colony or would that be multiple Absolutely,
2: it would be one colony. So within all reputation is always local to one colony. We don't have. um, We cannot compare reputation in one colony to another. Um, That's always uh, exploitable, because in one colony you can just you know inflate tokens, give yourself millions, and then pretend you have a lot of reputation. So that will never uh, compare. But um, we also within the colony you can have the structure, these contexts, and we don't want you know the the developers to come in and tell the designers what to do uh, all the time. So try to keep the decision making local. But it is still. The same colony and they are still all collectively responsible for their decisions um so what would actually happen is if there is you know a dispute you know we i had to work and i was supposed to accept the work i'm the evaluator and i say nope this was not well done Mm. but you say it was well done like this is not right i'm being mean to you you could sort of uh, trigger a dispute Uh, well you could object to my decision i could trigger a dispute and what would happen is everyone within our department are context could weigh in on what they think, whether you were right or I was right. So, you know, the developers handle the developer disputes and the you know, designers the designer disputes. But if that is not enough, if you think you're being unfairly treated, you can always escalate. So when in an organization you might be able to ask a higher level boss in colony you can only ask a bigger and bigger group of people. Hmm. And any decision, any dispute can ultimately like the last the body of last resort is a colony wide decision, and then it's everyone's reputation within that entire colony that would come to bear, but the incentives are such to really not have that happen a lot because we don't want you know there's a huge cognitive task there's a transaction cost to all this um, so we try to keep all these decisions local.
0: I feel like you must be learning so much I mean are you are either of you coming from like organizational sciences or do you have people on your team who are like looking at that because it seems like you must see so many interesting behaviors emerging, and you must also run into that problem of like lack of participation or something like that. Eventually,
3: we, neither of us came from organizational sciences. Aaron our, our comes from maths. I come from jewellery. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Colony was initially designed to to solve my own problems. But uh, you know, certainly over the course of the design process, we we looked into a lot of different models and and tried to. Uh, assimilates the uh, beneficial components of many. I think that the sort of lack of participation um, is, is 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 one of the key reasons why we don't believe that the majority of proposed governance mechanisms for blockchain technology will work because it is all centered on voting. Mm. And it, it's just really, really unlikely as we saw from the DAO to... Reach quorum or, or have any significant number of people participating in in it, um, just because people are, are apathetic <laughs> by voting, we know that they are. Mm. If you were to incentivize them to to do that voting, you would. It's going to be really, really hard to do because the incent, the, the amount of value in play would need to be so high. If you if you're going to really incentivize many, many thousands of people to participate in some votes, otherwise they're just not going to bother. I mean, they they, they even didn't, in the case of the DAO, where it was really directing their own funds, and the whole basis of the DAO was voting to have funding proposals met. So Colony really tries to avoid voting wherever possible. Um, It operates on the basis of, of a sort of lazy consensus where things are always assumed to be okay, assuming they reach a minimum threshold of support, which is a function of how expensive it is to do the task. So assuming they, they meet that minimum threshold of support, then they will just pass unless somebody comes along and raises a dispute over and mm-hmm. says this is not appropriate for us mm-hmm. to be doing an informal agreement to remove that task. is not reached. And only in that case would you create a formal dispute and only in that case would it go to a vote. And even then, as Aaron said, the, the incentives are such that you always want to keep it to as small a group as possible. And if not happy with what happens in the smaller group then you can escalate it to the next domain up or wherever you like but the 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 larger the group of people you want to involve the more costly it's going to be for you to do that because you're inconveniencing more people more people have to be incentivized to do it
1: i really find this model of sort of escalating the question uh to be really interesting because it's uh, like segueing into governance in general and and what we see in ethereum this is sort of what happens. So uh, if you submit an EIP, it gets brought up on the dev call. If it's, you know, we talk about it there. The problem is that when someone raises an objection, we have no way at all to measure what people think or who thinks what, or are the people thinking this important to the ecosystem or not, or like this reputation model or anything like Mm. it doesn't exist at all on this layer. And so basically, at any moment when there's an objection raised, the whole process just halts and we are unable to make a decision.
3: Uh, Because there is no way to resolve it. Somebody's raised a dispute, but then, (laughs) yeah,
1: now what? Yeah.
0: There's no form of escalation in this.
1: So yeah, so I think it's a really good, like, I don't have any suggestions or any way to like, actually think about improving the situation, because we're... Like the luxury, if we put it, of colony is that you are on chain and you actually have a registry of people involved in this colony and and, and just the reputation on top is, is like, even just having a registry is good and having re- reputation making it civil resistant is, you know, what,
2: what's making it work. We can distinguish between someone who's put in a lot of work and effort into the project from someone who's just loud. Right, right. So if there's a
3: particular EIP, for instance, it may be that that has got a specific skill requirement because obviously you don't just get an Ethereum skill. You're going to have very specific, very granular contextualized understandings of what people know about. And therefore, the decision that gets made collectively that a vote when it eventually does happen will be a function, will be decided by the people who empirically have got the most expertise in that particular
1: area. Yeah. Right, so an example might be uh, there was an EIP recently to include a pre-compiled contract for the ED25519 curve, I believe. And uh, it was basically sort of decided that we wouldn't, didn't want to do it because the community in general is very hesitant to add more pre-compiles. And there was not really anyone that could speak very loudly for, you know, this is definitely something we need. But if we had, like, a reputation meter of, like, these are people that have implemented precompiles or have a deep understanding of cryptography and know why this particular curve is important, then, you know, that could be a much more informed decision by involving that person. Exactly. Yeah.
0: What you're talking about, though, is you're, like, with, with Colony, because you're actually thinking of implementing the governance level, the reputation level, right off the bat so you can form these organizations with all of these levels and all of this protocol kind of built into it when you look i mean and that's kind of a, an awesome luxury that you can like create it from the ground up and try to think through what what could happen but i think with um with ethereum what we're seeing is is the attempt to now create governance or structures on an already existing ecosystem which is a lot harder within a colony, can you still change things after the fact?
2: Yeah, so we want colonies to be, we don't want to be prescriptive at all to how they run their own affairs and sort of our guiding notion is that as long as there's consensus to do something within a colony, there's no hurdle for them Ah. to doing it. Maybe, you know, it, it looks on paper that you cannot uh, randomly award reputation to people but of course if we all collectively agree we want someone to have more reputation we can make the bogus tasks and accept them and recycle the token so um, there's a lot of things that can be done to play around with your internal governance and and a lot of that you know when you build an app on top of colony and we do certainly hope that at some point there'll be many developers integrating the colony governance into their apps so on that front end you can hide a lot of or you can create a lot of functionality that might not be as visible on the sort of smart contract side. But, you know, so definitely you should be able to change whatever you want, you know, again, as long as there is consensus.
1: I think I remember that um, contract upgrades are sort of part of the colony protocol and that you know, upgrading the the smart contract is actually something you've been planning
2: for. Uh, is Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it has to be because we're not going to have everything right on day one. So
1: is the contract upgrade part of the governance process as well? But basically, you know, you propose, I want to upgrade our colony to this version, and then people vote on it.
2: Definitely, yeah. So that would be a very special type of proposal to upgrade those contracts. And it would be, the, you know, I think in our end model, it would be the common colony that would okay. suggest upgrades for the network to use. But inside any colony, somebody has to, Bring up that proposal
0: when you're sitting from your perspective and having worked through a lot of these models i'm i'm just curious to hear a little bit about what you see when you do look at other blockchains struggling with governance
3: i think that the uh, challenges that ethereum itself faces are, are interesting uh, as you sort of brought up a, a few minutes ago and yeah colony has uh, the luxury of being able to start um with like a a governance approach. And that's, that, that is a luxury because you are starting off with some agreed set of, of principles. I think you know, there was never much of a thought, certainly I didn't have much of a thought, of, uh, as to what the eventual governance requirements of Ethereum itself would be. But a governance of, of, of a shared resource is just an, a complete inevitability. It's not something you can say, well, we could have governance. It's like, whatever it is, there is going yeah. to be governance. It's just, it might not be formalized. And so we've gotten into this interesting position where, because there was no process in place, people were just kind of throwing things out there, like coin votes and, you know, writing blog posts and, you know, developing influence and... and Buying retweets. right. <laughs> getting all these kind of just informal mechanisms which somehow end up cobbling together some very very loose notion of gov- governance yeah. but at this point it's quite hard to know how you would practically change that and how you would reasonably get any meaningful degree of consensus because there was going to be a lot of people who just think well yeah of course I mean I have got a certain number of ether therefore my vote should be this number of ether but there's there's really no basis for that, other than that's kind of what we seem to
1: decide to start doing and it's it, it's in fact a, a huge problem because, as uh, Peter Shilaghi pointed out in, in at some point, uh, the people who got into ethereum like two years ago have a hundred times more influence than the people who got in today but wh- but what why because they were in longer like have what have they contributed in the meantime? they may have just been holding it and this is exactly
2: why we have reputation decay. Exactly, I was itching to jump in on that <laughs> um, because uh, in our colony, as we said, reputation comes with a number of tokens associated to a task because that was really the only proxy we had a- access to. But we don't want you know somebody who works on a task for you know, ten thousand tokens in the first month to have outsized influence for years and years when the token maybe has a market value and a task typically pays out one token. Mm. Um, um, so it might be arguable that if you do work in a colony and then subsequently its token value rises a lot, that maybe you do deserve influence for a while because you must have you know done something right. But if you stop working on the project, you can, you'll keep your tokens, of course, they're ERC-20 tokens, but your reputation will decay exponentially. And then um, after a time, it doesn't matter what you did four years ago. It matters who's working on the project now. So precisely, we don't want this reputation aristocracy. Uh, And even if
3: you do continue to work on the project consistently, the, the reputation state will normalize based on what everybody is doing and the expertise that they're demonstrating. So it could be that, yeah, you're early and you're, I don't know, a designer, but you're actually kind of only an okay designer and there's some really awesome designers who've come along later and perhaps they are more likely to get work and so therefore they're more likely to earn reputation
2: yeah um, if i can make the bridge back to ethereum governance overall one of the luxuries of colony is not just that we you know have uh, we can grow it from the beginning but also you enter a project with an understanding of which governance process is to be used mm. so sometimes that's all it's it's like a shelling game as long as everyone expects a certain decision-making paradigm to be used then that gives it legitimacy or i think glad defines it as legitimacy the expectation mm. of a certain decision-making mechanism so as an example the fact that ethereum is heading towards hard forks you know, Byzantium and then Constantinople and that we're gonna introduce proof of stake. That could never be done if it hadn't been announced from the beginning. Everyone's expecting it to happen because it's always been said. And if it hadn't been said, and now Vitalik comes, we're gonna do this, there'd be an outcry and people would be shouting about cheating the miners and all the rest of it. And the problem with governance for the chain like off chain governance there was never really an expectation of what would happen you know sort of thoughts through it there's a a small team will at first there's going to be consensus between the insiders i mean they weren't the insiders at first they were the only people at first and then comes the charge that oh it's just an elite group of insiders we need to open it to the community and we don't know who that is and then you know some people say oh coin vote it's the obvious and only choice and without the sort of shelling point this of what the governance might look like without a common expectation of how decisions are going to be made that's how you get you know these ugly fights and flame wars and disputes and no real way forward
0: back to that idea so the way that you guys have described the colony kind of reputation building it's reputation time spent sort of tokens as well that's is that sort of roughly how those are the three things that you can use to Gauge power.
3: So reputation is a function of the work that you've done, and so, so you get paid some tokens for doing some work. For argument's sake, you get the same amount of reputation as you get tokens. So you get a hundred tokens, you get a hundred reputation. Okay. You keep Those tokens, those are yours, but your reputation decays over time. Okay. Okay. So that, that just kind of decays away, but you still got your tokens.
0: So, but it's the question I actually have is about reputation in general. So unlike the current sort of thrown together like basically to discover influence right now it seems to be a combination of like medium score twitter score visibility in the community do you have a seat at the table which projects have you been part of this is like at least in the ethereum space it seems to be like one of the measures of of influence but with reputation it's one thing but are you actually using other metrics to gauge any influence or is reputation the pure score that you use?
3: That's it. Formally, in a sort of consensus-relevant context, reputation is the only thing that matters. Informally, all of the above will still continue to matter and leadership will always be important. Leadership will not just be um, a number. Leadership is charisma, it's ideas, it's connections, relationships all of those things no no blockchain system is ever going to change that that's a fundamental characteristic of Hmm. society
1: i guess the ideal is that all of those things would be reflected in your reputation like ultimately all of the work that you do outside of all of this eventually somehow makes it into your reputation number
3: right so the people that we generally see emerging within the sort of ethereum ecosystem uh, the people who emerge as kind of community leaders by and large do so because they're of very high quality individuals and uh, I, I would expect that to continue even when that reputation is formalized in some context in in, in mm-hmm. some sense
1: how do you feel about these sort of next generation projects uh, being worked on now that you know, almost all of them include some form of on-chain governance where you can actually have us basically if it's proof of stake your stake lets you vote on you know what future protocol upgrades should be
2: let's not confuse governance with procedure just because you have you know some decision making procedure baked you know a fork choice rule encoded in a smart contract rather than client side it doesn't mean that you now have governance it just means you have different defaults in a sense defaults are not a good governance mechanism so the the whole process of how community answers questions it comes to decisions it's far more nebulous than you know these uh coded procedures can ever encapsulate And sort of fooling yourself into thinking that just by having this procedure baked in that it will aut- automatically have legitimacy we have even less ass- assertion that it has come to a good decision it'll be a good decision making paradigm um the one thing it does give you is sort of an expectation perhaps that a certain procedure will be used so you, you, you have something you can latch on to for, for disambiguation but it's not the, like it's not the same as a as a governance model
1: but w- what if someone took colony exactly as this and made that like the lever- la- layer one decision making paradigm
2: i mean let's let's assume that for a while that that would work un- until some people disagree with colony and start a hard fork and then it doesn't help what the colony said if there's a split in the community you know when we have this discussion we can always take it one level up and say okay suppose we had a procedure there well then you go one level up like it's never you know it's hard forks all the way up
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so i think that's that's a good point so in in a blockchain in general you always have the choice to hard fork it doesn't matter if you have on-chain governance mechanisms or not you can always hard fork
2: what we really need is like the legitimacy of a decision making paradigm when everyone accepts that this decision making paradigm is going to be used and they accept that is the decisions that that comes out of it right and they will live with it even if they disagree once you have that then you can then you can say you have governance and, and and it's effective and once that breaks down it does not matter what the procedure was or where it was coded on chain or off it's no longer functional
1: i think that's a good description But ultimately, I also sort of believe that it's impossible to achieve this because of this fundamental property that you can't always hard fork. Even if you have a legitimate governance model, at some point, some group of people will disagree with it and hard fork. But it sort of leads me to the next question, which is uh, sort of related to this. And could we get the entire Ethereum community to form a colony to steer Ethereum itself?
3: Interesting question. (laughs) Um, I I honestly don't know because I think that there are, as as I mentioned, I think that there are um, informal expectations about what Ethereum's governance looks like at the moment, dysfunctional as, as it is. And I think that probably in the short term, implementing Colony on Ethereum at large probably results in control getting centralized into quite a small number of people, which would in the short term probably not go down well over time, I think that that would necessarily become far more decentralized. It's a question of whether, in that sort of uh, sort of intervening period, whether it was um,
1: whether everyone disagrees and starts hard forking off into other chains that don't have a colony
3: <laughs> exactly because yeah as I was thinking we, in um you we were just discussing about the, the being ultimately the the threat of hard fork at all times is you know if you get to a decision and it has been raised as a dispute all the way to the the whole of the colony or the whole of the uh a vote has taken place for the whole of uh, ethereum um and it ends up being like near 50 50 like the eip 999 um um, coin vote did recently and then people go right fine we're going to split but actually then nobody neither party wants to split actually so then what do you do? <laughs> because you've, you've all made your position clear. You're in equal opposition to one another, but nobody wants to split. It's very hard to know how do you
1: make that decision. <laughs> I think in reality, what happens on these issues is that they just stall and nothing ever happens. And right. this is sort of what we've seen in Bitcoin as well, where there wasn't this expectation of of upgrades or doing Things different than what satoshi laid out in his paper so you know any time anything is contentious and it essentially ends up blocking any development at all
2: yeah so there's definitely a bias towards the status quo yeah. luckily within colony uh when work is being proposed there's a bias to that work going ahead so we do have an inbuilt mechanism that we don't you know we wanted Call need to just be able to do, you don't need to ask for permission, you know, these these pr- people bring in so much energy and enthusiasm to projects, we don't want them to have to apply for permission and voting and so on. So there's this bias to just allowing things to happen, just getting stuff done. Mm. Because most of the time, you know, if you think of just how you work as a team, you, know, you don't have to ask each other permissions for what you do, you can, you can just say, hey, I'm going to work on this, and everyone's fine, fine, you're going to work on that, fine. And so the, all of these informal agreements in so many contexts. And it's only when you know there's disagreement that you actually have to raise an alarm and start talking about it. And so we've got this inbuilt bias in colonies to getting stuff done, getting stuff approved. So hopefully we don't have that same paralysis as like blockchain governance would have where the bias is always to not change anything.
1: I think on that note, we can wrap up. It's been a super interesting conversation.
0: Totally. Thanks so much for talking to us uh, about these topics. Um, I think you guys, with the work you've been doing on Colony all these years, you're in this really kind of interesting place to look into the governance issues of other ecosystems. And it was really cool to get to sort of explore that with you.
2: So thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: I guess to our audience, thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening.